With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tuned Into Tennis. And we continue our U.S. Open Daily Recap and Look Forward series. And I'm happy to have two guests on the show today. I think this is the first time. Yeah, this is the first time in a while I've had two guests at the same time. So you guys are like, are we having like a menage a trois or something? Yes, (laughs) I think so. (laughs) I'm speaking to Scott and Tony of the Gay Tennis Podcast. And I'm you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I know this is like the intro section or whatever, but you, the podcast came to be this year, right? Or am yep, I wrong? It just, nope, it just happened this year. We were at a dinner one night in late May, and we just have always talked tennis and thought it would be super fun to kind of blend gay culture with pro tennis. And so we talked about it over dinner and just a couple weeks later, we pressed record and have been rolling since right before the French Open. Okay. Yeah. And I I feel like that's how long I've been listening. So that makes sense. Nice. (laughs) And, and, you know, me and Tony, for listeners that are like um, listening to this, which obviously you should, it should be like in your car radio or something. But (laughs) me and Tony have actually met. This is my first time talking to Scott. So um, you're going to get our natural tennis banter. And Tony and I met at the U.S. Open last year in an epic match we were just talking about with Sabalenka and Kanepi on the infamous yes. court five <laughs> yes the whole garuna court no one let court. find it apparently <laughs> yeah exactly the yeah. the let court winner on match point that sabalenka saved against Kanepi. that was amazing i'm pretty sure she heard me like my voice carries but i remember being pretty loud that day <laughs> oh yeah we were definitely into it <laughs> i mean sabalenka does it to you and she played today didn't she she played today and she won but very quickly. It. <laughs> it was on and off the court. We'll, we'll get we'll get to that. Um, but before yeah. we go any further and talk actual tennis on uh, day six of the U.S. Open Saturday, uh, 
I'll allow you guys to kind of talk about what the Gay Tennis Podcast is, why people should listen to it, and all of that fun stuff. Yeah, I can give it a go. So the Gay Tennis Podcast, in some ways, it is what the title is. You know, it is Tony and I, who are both, I would say, very gay, uh, talking about... (laughs) Things we love, one of them being tennis and the other being gay culture. Um, And so, you know, Tony and I, we play on the same tennis team in Atlanta, Georgia together. And so it's just a big part of our life. And then we get to, to share the conversations with other people. Um, so that's that's kind of how I some, or sometimes I'll say it's like we are talking about tennis as if we're at a gay brunch together. That's in the description of the podcast. Which yes. I love. yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Tony, yeah, what else would it, you it's add? Sunday, no, Sunday now we're, that we're recording this, so it's it's brunch time. Perfectly apt. <laughs> exactly, it's always brunch time. Yeah, it's basically like Scott said, we play together, and it's basically an extension of our conversations that we have every week at practice, and we try to focus on uh, just kind of introducing tennis in a new way. So we are trying to have fun and bring out some of that gay culture stuff, but also shine light on certain topics and certain things that we think are important within the LGBTQ community and also within tennis. So it's just, it's kind of a combination of all of those things. I love it. I love it. Did any of you guys happen to see that tennis channel feature? I'm not sure if it aired on tennis channel, but I know it got a YouTube video, which is for tennis channel, a big thing about the uh, G. I always mess this up and I really shouldn't. Is it GTLA or GLTA? GLTA. Yes. They had a short. Yeah, it was a short kind of documentary. I think mostly focusing on kind of the GLTA's year end tournament. And I thought it was pretty well done and I enjoyed it. And it was nice seeing some people who we know, some familiar faces and to get that kind of exposure on tennis channel is, is a big deal, especially for tennis channel. So, yeah. Yeah. And one plug that I always like to add is if you are a part of the LGBTQ plus community or an ally and you want to be a part of a tennis community that's focused on the, the queer community, look up GLTA because they're in a lot of different cities across the world. Um, and it's a great way to meet people, play tennis, have fun. That's one regret I have when I was living in Atlanta that I didn't like I played a lot of tennis, but I for whatever reason, the GLTA didn't like it didn't mesh into my schedule. But I think the Alta did a L T A, which was. Yeah. Yeah. Take it or leave Hit or miss. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about the hits and misses of day six at the U.S. Open. Um, Let's work backwards because I feel like that's been working for me in the past couple episodes. I think if I check scores right now, I'll see that Medvedev and Sebastian Baez are still in their little kerfuffle. Um, (laughs) Well, Medvedev is up two sets to love and he won uh, sets one and two, six, two, six, two. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's some tennis news that you can use. And then also on Armstrong, Von Drusova, the reigning Wimbledon champion, something I have to really get used to saying because mm-hmm. I didn't. Uh, right. I think you guys, I, I think you guys can relate, and we didn't see that. Yeah, <laughs> it's I, I. She barely even came up on our U.S. Open preview show. I was like, wow, <laughs> the 
she just won a slam a couple weeks ago and we barely <laughs> brought her up. She's definitely right. flying under the radar. I think she likes that though. If she ever be- like let's say she gets to a US Open semi and all of the sudden all of a sudden people are like, "Oh, she's one of the best tennis players in the world." I can all- I can kind of envision based off of what we know about the WTA that it's all going to go downhill from there. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> the curse. Uh. The curse. I mean, we've seen it with Bianca Andreescu and Radakanu, like the list is pretty long of players that like get all this hype and then fizzle. The next, yeah, the next season it's not the same or even close to it. But uh, Marquetta is sent up a Ash set. Barty into retirement. So yeah, do you guys on a tangential plane? Do, do you guys miss her? Do you guys miss her? I miss her deeply. Ash Barty, oh, I really? love. Oh, I've always loved the slice. I mean, she brought something a little bit different. She had that big forehand. And she she was consistently at the top for a while, which I crave in tennis to build those rivalries and to see people who are leading at the top, you know, tournament after tournament. So I miss her, but apparently y'all don't. I I will certainly say I do not, which is funny, Scott, because I feel like we never agree on any players. (laughs) But um, I will say I don't miss Ash Barty really at all. I understand she was consistent, but her personality and her game, it just it wasn't doing it for me. The game, I'm okay with. It gets a pass because I do like creativity on the court. Yes. I love the fact that she had a uh, forehand with heavy spin and the backhand was low over the net and kind of slicey. I like that. Yeah. But um, yeah. she doesn't get the hate that Iga gets about the whole like wearing a cap so we can't see your face thing. She did, she didn't get that. At least I don't no, remember that being in the conversation, you know? But no, but she did get dragged for some of her skirts that were down past her knees, <laughs> and that may have been worth. That may have uh, been warranted. But I knew you were going to say that, Tony. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, she didn't really give us too much on interviews and stuff like that. But I, I wouldn't be totally shocked if I woke up one random Wednesday morning to an Instagram post or something that said she's coming back after, you know, she enjoys motherhood or something like that. You know, so I'm praying for that. So let's let's hope it happens we'll put one in the air for that okay um <laughs> we're working backwards right we talked about Vandrusa. we talked about medvedev who are currently on court and looking fairly comfortable knock on wood other matches that have finished today we know the results because these were all matches that were ending the third round so everyone we talk about going forward are now into the second week of the u.s open which they should be proud of i think mm-hmm. oh yeah some more than others <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, Carlos Alcaraz opened up Arthur Ashe on Saturday against Dan Evans. Did either of you guys watch some of that match? I did. Same. I watched some of that match, and I have to say Dan Evans was giving me a little bit of Laura Siegemann energy. I, I just yeah. <laughs> or, or slow. <laughs> yeah. I would say more on the annoying. Like their games just are similar. You know, they he was attacking the net a lot, he was changing it up. And he was just kind of causing a nuisance for Carlos, I felt like, today. I thought Dan Evans played really well, and um, I really enjoyed watching the match. Of course, Carlos won in four sets, but I really enjoyed it, and I thought Dan Evans did a lot of disrupting. Yeah, and Dan Evans has had a, a pretty good hardcore season, you know, surprisingly so, and had a, a big win. And so I was excited about this match, and I think... Alcarez did well to what it was one in in four sets and mm-hmm. um yeah I thought it was a a good win for him 
And round four, yeah, you might be getting to this, but against Arnaldi, who beat Nori, so maybe not much there. I didn't see a single ball being hit. I actually didn't see a Cam Nori hit a ball at all in the U.S. Open, so I wasn't too surprised that he <laughs> that he lost. Um, but he he did lose to what's what's the guy's name? You just meant you just said his name. Arnaldi, yeah, Arnaldi. Mateo, yep. Mateo. I, I haven't seen him hit a ball either at the U.S. Open. I need to do better. <laughs> I don't know him either. It's like there's so many Italians out there. I'm like, this one kind of slipped by. Brad Gilbert said a thing that resonated with me when they were doing like the uh, lead up to the um, primetime slot was that the Italian, like the Federation, they have so many futures and challengers and stuff like that, where like the, mm. they don't really have to leave their country to get real pro experience. And I think uh, Arnaldi was one of the players that benefits from that. So that's why maybe facing somebody like Nori, who's in that tw- top 20, lower end of top 20 range, wasn't super uh, overwhelming for him. So nice. Well, it's a huge week for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big paychecks and fourth Hello. round of the U.S. Open, and that's is, is that's who Alcaraz faces next, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think Arnaldi. The only thing I know about him is that he qualified or maybe got the wild card into the next gen finals at the end of last oh. season. So if you're if you're listening to this and want to look know what his game looks like, he, he there's some pretty good highlights of him on YouTube at the next gen finals last year. Yeah, he's definitely young, so. It, it will be interested to see how he plays and how he goes up against Carlos. Yeah, for sure. Um, another person that's kind of keeping their eye, at least in my mind, keeping their eye on how Carlos is doing is another Italian, Yannick Sinner, who got a win today over Stan Wawrinka mm-hmm. in four sets. Um, I guess I have to put this out there, and I hope my friend is okay with this, and I feel like there's no <laughs> other time to say this, but one of my friends who's been on the podcast, I'll, I'll keep him nameless, but um, <laughs> <laughs> he said that he had no idea that Wawrinka was kind of stacked in the, in the butt. And mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think when I think of players that have nice shapes, I, my mind goes to Warinka. But I see what he means. Do you guys agree? Oh heck yeah, <laughs> Daddy Stan. He's thick. <laughs> he is thick, and um, yeah, he's built like a tank. And he does yeah. have, yeah, he definitely has a big butt and big legs, and he's just so strong. So yeah, he hits he hits that category for me for sure. Yeah, if you haven't uh, heard the Gay Tennis podcast recently, we've had some discussion about tennis daddies, and I think Wawrinka kind of can fit into that category to some degree. So, 100. yeah. Are are any of your favorite? Well, I'll I'll frame it like this: as we're still talking about this match, because one of my favorite episodes of you two and the Gay Tennis podcast was talking about the uh, kins on tour. Do you uh, think? Yes. Do you think Yannick Sinner would make a decent kin? Tony, here <laughs> you go. Not for me. Not for me. I would not. I don't see the personality. I don't see the looks. But I do enjoy watching him play tennis. Scott, what do you think? Well, what I'm going to repeat is something that Tony (laughs) has said before, which is like every single Italian male tennis player is hot except for one (laughs) Yannick Center. Wow, you're calling me out in a big way here, Scott. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. So I may have said something along those lines. Yes, I I don't see him as a Ken. 
Gucci apparently likes something about him. There is an appeal. Yeah. So True. if Gucci, if Gucci has you has you on your radar or on their radar, then I, you know you might be doing something good. I don't dislike Yannick Sinner. I just um, I've paid close attention to him this this season, and I have in other seasons, but just not as much this season. And I'm not seeing the amount of like growth in his game that I thought I was going to see because he still is kind of flummoxed when he gets closer to the net. And his game is a little bit more exciting than Rublev because they have like this pedal to the metal, hit every ball kind of hard type of thing, which is good. Mm -hmm. That wins them a lot of matches, but it doesn't it doesn't make me want to run to my television, you know? Right. Yeah, I agree. He doesn't that's he doesn't really have that spark that a lot of the Italians have. I feel like if you're watching a Matteo Berrettini match or even a Sinego match, you see there's like the spark and the entertainment that's there. And I feel like Yannick Sinner really saves that for when he plays Alcaraz. It's like he he saves it all up for when he plays Alcaraz. <laughs> and I don't really get it much else. But mm. I thought he played well today. You know, he still can hit the ball with so much pace. And he was stepping in into the court a lot today and pushing Stan back, which I think is how he kind of won that match. So it was good to see him being super aggressive and taking advantage of that. Um, even if I was cheering for Stan while I was watching it. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I'll say that about Sinner is people have been saying that Sinner is like third in terms of favorites for winning this mm-hmm. tournament. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see it because I think Sinner is so good at his game that he can make it far, you know, semis, quarters. But for me, at least, he does lack the variety that can help him beat some of the players like a Djokovic. We know his record against Djokovic is is rough. Um, obviously, he, he does... Well, that's <laughs> exactly. fair. He does you know, has a, a good kind of um, almost even head-to-head uh, with Alcaraz, or maybe it is even at this point, I forget. Um, but in general, I feel like he just, that variety is something that he, or at least, you know, like more comfort at the net, those types of things I would want or expect for him to have before he wins a major. I agree. I still feel like there is opportunity for growth and i feel like his coaching system and darren cahill as the lead coach i believe knows that but i'm just a little confused as to why i'm not seeing it if that makes any sense like they're talking about change but i'm not necessarily seeing too much of it it's taking him longer i think than i expected to just doesn't seem like he's advancing as quickly, but maybe that's because we're spoiled by how quickly Alcaraz is learning. Mm -hmm. You know, Alcaraz is going from, you know, cramping and having like a complete breakdown in the semis of the French open and to winning Wimbledon in what a month. (laughs) So maybe we're, we're on a, a tough grading scale. That's that's true, but I am anxious to see what a rematch of last year's quarterfinal between uh center and Alcaraz would look like in 2023. Cause yeah. If I had tickets, I would be sat for that, oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Were you guys sat for the Zverev and Dimitrov match today? I was sat for uh, about <laughs> a set and a half. <laughs> and then I I lost interest because, first of all, Dimitrov is just so frustrating to me. Mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. I swear, he builds you up and gets you so excited. That first set tiebreak was some of the best tennis I've seen this whole U.S. Open that he played. He was so good and won that tiebreak easily, like ripping winners. And then, you know, he can never finish the deal. And I believe by the end he had taken a medical timeout 
and was injured. So maybe that was the problem. But I feel like I always get excited for Dimitrov and he just doesn't really come through for me as much as I would like. That's yeah. kind of been his career. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't even get excited anymore. So I wasn't really <laughs> I was excited sad. about that match. Yeah. <laughs> Not bitter on Dimitrov. If you put together like his best moments in a highlight reel, I can see why anybody would like run to the court to watch him play. But it's those in between points where, you know, it's not show real stuff or highlight real stuff. And it's like, oh, okay, I can see why he hasn't. He literally has not won a tournament since winning that ATP finals in 2017. I don't think he, he's really? been to the finals, but he hasn't won a tournament. Wow. That's crazy. That is crazy because he's so talented and it's, yep. it's so clear when you're watching him, how good he is and the crowd loves him. I mean, we, I saw him last year when we were at the U S open and he, it is packed every match for him and they are always going wild for him. Everybody wants to see him succeed and he's had a good career, but it's definitely, I don't think gone quite as well as he would have liked. For sure. I agree. I mean, you know, I think he I don't think he'll ever like win a Grand Slam at this point, but uh, he gives people something to cheer for. And he's 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 good content for the ATP tour. I will tell you that because those like those YouTube videos where they like name a name a player's like silhouette or something. He's good for that. I enjoy that. that. Um, Someone else that the ATP is trying to like get us into, but I'm not 100 percent sold yet. And I don't think he is either. Um, Jack Draper. Jack Draper, like watching him play, I feel like he's in between knowing that he's good and having no clue at all, if that makes any sense at all. (laughs) Yeah, he's still figuring it out. Like sometimes he seems really confident and sometimes he looks like he has no idea what he's doing. Yep. But he won today. He beat uh, Michael Moe, the slayer mm-hmm. of John Isner, which we are uh, thankful for. <laughs> he celebrated that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he beat Michael Moe in four sets, 6-4, 6-2, 3-6, 6 for his first venture to the fourth round of any major, I believe, let alone the U.S. Open. I would have been happy with either one of them winning, but I've actually Same. been a big fan of Draper. I just, I feel he's been injured a lot, especially this year. And um, so I I feel like maybe we haven't seen his full potential. He's got such a big game. So I'm excited to see what he does against Rublev. I just, I feel like Rublev will win that round four match. Um, But one thing about Draper, I don't know if you all have noticed this, the facial expressions on the court are pretty bizarre. Like, I don't know internally what's going on for him, but it's just the facial expressions. If you haven't paid attention, take a look and let me know what you think because it's puzzling. I wish you guys could see my facial expression right now because I don't think think I've ever noticed it. I I was going to say... I just noticed his forehand. And he's, he's, I mean, as far as (laughs) handsome British men go, he's he's, he's pretty pretty good. Yeah, he's handsome, lefty. Maybe that's one of his weird things, how he deals with his nerves. You know how Novak does like his kind of weird body movements when he gets really nervous. Maybe that's uh, that's how Jack Draper does it. He just puts it all out in his face. I don't know. I've never noticed. I haven't seen a ton of Jack Draper at this tournament, honestly. So I'm not sure if he's just really playing well or if he's had a, a nice draw. I haven't seen a ton of him this week. Well, if you're on the practice course, look out for that lightning bolt tattoo he has on one of his arms. That's pretty reliable. <laughs> and with one of the tattoos in that ATP tour video that people had to. Did you guys? Do you guys see that video? I did. I loved it. There were some people who were really good at guessing. 
bingo. There were a couple mm. that were kind of too good, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. Who was it? I feel like Rublev was good. Felix, the one the one that really made my eyebrow go up, and I'm not insinuating anything, but I also kind of am. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Felix identified Borna Chorich's uh, stomach tattoo. And even the person that was doing the interview was like, how did you know that so quickly? <laughs> he was like, well, we're all in the locker room together, which fair enough. But it was the quickness. I mean, this could be editing, but it was the quickness of how right. Felix. Like, oh, that's Borna Torich. Like, have you been paying attention? <laughs> Maybe. I need to watch this video. I have not seen it, but I'm very intrigued at this point. So. You need to find it, Scott. And I mean, maybe Felix needs to stop spending so much time looking at everyone's tattoos and a little more time getting his game back together because I miss him playing well. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. I miss I miss Felix at a elite level. And I think he'll get back there. And it's almost his favorite time of the season again, the fall indoor swing. So yeah. and he has a lot of point a lot of points to defend there too. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um we briefly mentioned Rublev who won today as well over Arthur Rindakanesh, one of my favorite ATP names to say. Um <laughs> pretty uneventful. I feel like most matches that Rublev plays are pretty uneventful, but you know. Yeah, you're not a huge Rublev guy, I'm gathering. <laughs> Explain. I don't, I, I don't dislike him. I actually like his personality way more than his mm-hmm. tennis. But his Same. tennis is kind of just like if I if I gave somebody the like bare bones of how to be a successful top ten ATP player, it probably would be Rublev, like decent on both strokes, decent enough serve, but nothing that again makes me want to run to my television. So you know, right? Yeah, he does seem to get through these first weeks pretty consistently, though. But he does seem to have a ceiling. Obviously, he's never been past the quarters of a slam, and I think he's been to eight or something. Yeah, so, I think it's 0 and 8 now. Yeah, 0 and 8 in quarters. Um, but yeah, he's kind of becoming a staple in those fourth round quarterfinal matches. And then that tends to be the end of the road for him. Yeah. And wh- who knows? Jack Draper might put up a, a, a somewhat of a a wall against him or he might breeze through that and set up another match i think yeah the winner of jack draper and rublev takes on the winner of somebody we have not mentioned at all alex demonor um and and potentially medvedev who's still on court but alex demonor has been kind of going through the draw just without a without a without a hiccup he's dropped one set but his match against nicholas jarry today was was very very clean yeah and jarry's a good player mm-hmm. and Alex Demonar has had a, a great summer on the hard court. So I'm excited. He did, if I'm kind of assuming Medvedev will win tonight, but am I remembering right that Demonar beat Medvedev in over Toronto. the past month yeah. in Toronto? Um, yeah. I don't, I really give the edge to, to Medvedev, um, assuming Medvedev wins tonight, but that is a match that I will be checking out. Medvedev is actually down 1-3 in the third against Sebastian Baez. And, breaking news, Marketa Vondrusova absolutely dusted Alexandrova 6-2, <laughs> in 57 minutes. Wow. So, all, she must have heard us talking about being confused <laughs> by the Wimbledon champion. because <laughs> Yeah, she's backing it up pretty well. <laughs> she is. She is. Mm-hmm. She is. Well, I guess that's a good segue to talk about the WTA side of things because... That's kind of where I light up a little bit anyway. So, you know. Yes, same. Um, let's let's Not start alone. with let's start with Greek Menon taking on Casakina. Another player in Casakina who like she doesn't really get the 
like I can I can imagine the U.S. Open social media coordinators don't like run to find pictures of her to put on their stuff. But mm-hmm. she works her way through a draw relatively easily. And now she's in the fourth round beating Greet Menon, the slayer of Venus Williams and Sasha Vickery. <laughs> yes. Wow. I know. OK, I didn't I forgot that she beat both of them. Um, <laughs> I will say both Daria Kasakina and Greet Menon both won on Pride Day this year, which was super exciting. Um, to have two queer women win on that day. And then they just played each other, obviously, today. So that was exciting to see having one of them make it through to the second week. I watched some of this match. You know, Greet Minnen is a very good doubles player. I feel like she's more more known for doubles. But and she has a solid all-around game. You know, she's got a lot of variety, good hands at the net. And she can hit with a, with a good amount of power. But... Kasakina is just so fast and, and tricky. Make, yeah. Yeah. And puts you in so many weird positions. I felt like she just was moving her around the court and just kind of toying with her throughout the whole match. You definitely undersold Greet Menon because by Venus Williams' takes, she's a future Grand Slam <laughs> champion and top two oh, player. No. <laughs> she said the same thing about Camilla Georgie earlier this summer, too. Venus has given out lots of compliments lately. Yeah. I guess that's how she copes. I'm, you know, my oh. power to her. <laughs> exactly. love, love you, Venus. Love you, Venus. Yes. Um, I wanted to say one thing about Kasakina in terms of, you know, her personality. I think she she has that star quality to me. I just feel like people aren't putting the spotlight on her. Like when she said, she was like, I understand that I can't play under the Russian flag right now or whatnot. But (laughs) she was like, I'm going to ask the WTA if I can play under the rainbow flag. I just thought like things like that. So fun. And she feels very authentic. And I, if she, wins more i mean obviously she's having a great career but if she kind of wins some bigger tournaments um i could see her being a real star which would be huge for tennis and for the lgbtq plus community so that's my hope that's huge remember she got to that indian wells final back in 2018 losing to osaka and at that point people thought that like not that she's necessarily derailed her career but i thought she'd be even higher ranked and more successful than she is right now but she's young enough to kind of make that make it make it all still possible for her um gosh i can't wait to have osaka back speaking of i I distinctly remember osaka dusted her in that final Um, and and barely celebrated yeah right (laughs) like it was nothing so i'm excited to have osaka back but i do like kazakin and i agree i think she could she could really um, she's a good spokesperson, I guess is mm-hmm. the best way to put it. And her YouTube content is blowing everything that the WTA official YouTube <laughs> content puts out is she's killing it. <laughs> so true. She puts out great content, especially with her girlfriend there. They have a lot of fun and their videos mm-hmm. are really good. Yeah. So go Kasakina. I don't, who does she, Oh, she faces Sabalenka next who we briefly talked yeah. about, um, who just cruised today and beat Clara Burrell 6-1-6-1. And this is quickly becoming Sabalenka's best Grand Slam because I believe she is now on her... I think I think I saw a random stat on Twitter that's like she's 4-0 in U.S. Open fourth rounds, I believe. Mm-hmm. Nice. Something to that effect. I might be a little bit off. But either way, if she makes, uh, if she makes to the same stage again, that'll be her third uh, U.S. Open semifinal. Make it in 2021 and 2022. And, you know, we'll see what happens in 2023. I haven't seen too much of her match outside of maybe the match in the first round against Zanevska. But, I mean, that's kind of a good thing because it's been pretty uneventful, you know? So, 
Yeah, she is under the radar here. Like, I don't, I don't hear a lot of people talking about her. There's a lot of focus on, of course, like Coco Golf and Pagula and Keys and and. But I just, I feel like she's she's definitely got the potential to just take this tournament away. And a lot of people aren't talking about her now, but she's winning quite easily in the the first few rounds. Agreed. I. That would be interesting to see. Oh, and I forgot the main talking point before the tournament was that she could leave the tournament as world number one. So, yeah, maybe it works to her advantage that she's kind of under the radar in a way. So, shout out to Sabalenka. Yeah, we'll see how we'll see how she does. I still feel like Sabalenka should already have a U.S. Open. If people are looking to blame that Radakanu <laughs> win, you know, people get like weird about Radakanu's win. I think Sabalenka is the one they should be looking at because she really struggled at the end of that semi against Layla Fernandez. So I think that was Sabalenka's to win. So I'd like to see her have have a good U.S. Open and and take either this title or one soon. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I think the crowd warms up to her. So that's a, that's a good call. Hey, guys, if you're enjoying today's episode, please take a look at the episode description. Support the growth of the show by grabbing a coffee from the link. And while you're at it, be sure to engage with Tuned Into Tennis on social networks. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Facebook is where you can find us. Leave a review if you like what you're listening to so far. And let's get back to the show. Um, speaking of crowds, you mentioned some American names, Scott, that we haven't talked about yet, and it's the perfect time to do so. Pagula and Madison Keys got some pretty impressive three-set wins today. Uh, I know we were in our group chat talking briefly about Spitalina and Pagula. Um, let's stay there for a second. Thoughts on their Adidas outfits? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Scott, do you want to take this one? <laughs> uh, Tony and I were talking about this earlier on on our podcast and the best way that I could think to describe their, the skirts, the Adidas skirts is it looks like someone just took random table skirts out of a closet and then just like cut them and wrapped them around Pagula's body and Spitalina's body. It is a pretty awful look. It's rough. Adidas hasn't been knocking out of the park lately. They haven't. Someone got paid a lot of money to design that, and that is horrifying. And then it and then it also is connected to Billie Jean King, and she's an icon. I don't know if I would want to be connected to that one. <laughs> Not that outfit. I know. Well, in Svitolina and Pagula both have had similar outfits on. So watching that match, it was like you were seeing those big skirts Scott was talking about. The zero so, vibes. <laughs> yeah, not my favorite look. Not like what I look. What I think of when I see a slam winning kit that's for sure but i thought this win for pagula i was looking back at her results from slams this year and i feel like this might be jessica pagula's biggest win at a slam this whole year because this i just feel like when it comes to these kind of matches i i really thought that svitolina was going to be the one who was more brave and taking chances when you know at the end of these sets so I was super impressed that Pagula was able to win this match because I, I just really didn't see it happening. Did you see it, yeah. Miles? What did you think? 
I mean, we talked about it, and I don't, again, I've used this phrase before. I don't run to my television <laughs> to watch Pagula or Svitolina, but I have yeah. been impressed with Svitolina's big match ability so far in this comeback because that was right, kind yeah. of something that she didn't have in her first part of her career pre-baby. Like, the quarterfinal stage, similar to Rublev, was where she kind of fizzled out. Um, right. I was impressed that Svitolina kind of asked the questions of Pagula and also more impressed that Pagula kind of reset and put her, her foot back on the on the pedal. But I also am not I don't walk away from that match necessarily thinking anything super differently of Pagula. And I think it's going to take her winning a quarterfinal for me to really think that she's kind of like gotten over that plateau. You know, winning in Montreal was important because it adds another trophy to her cabinet. But uh, yeah, I want I want to see how she looks and plays when the lights are squarely on her, like another Grand Slam quarterfinal. Then, then we can, mm. we can, we can reassess my thoughts of Pagula. But good <laughs> win for her. <laughs> um, what about Madison Keys? I think she's wearing a Slam winning kit. I think Nike did her pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. She looks cute. Nike's she, doing well. Yeah, yeah, she does look good. Her game looks good too because she beat Samsonova in three sets after dropping the first one uh, seven five, coming back to win sets two and three six two six two. And I was afraid there weren't going to be any uh, felt left on the ball. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely crushing it. I always have loved Keys's game, and but one thing that I noticed, and I think some of the commentators on ESPN um, mentioned this as well, is she was slicing her backhand a little bit more in a defensive way, and I really liked it because it actually kept the ball low. The the opponent would kind of pop it up a little bit more and then she could hit a big ground stroke off of it. And that's mm. the one thing I'm like, if Keys can can stay in points for one or two more shots, I think that will really make a big difference in that backhand slice might be part of the the answer. So I I'm excited for her. Keys and Pagula in round four playing each other. Yeah. I'd be happy either way. Um and I really, I, for me, it always kind of feels like it's on Key's racket. Like if she's Absolutely. playing well, I don't know if anyone could really stop her. Um, so that's kind of how I'm seeing this match. Maybe I'm not giving enough credit to Pagula, but I'm excited for it. I mean, it's hard to give anybody across the net from a Key's forehand a chance if she's really striking it and the serve yeah. and all that stuff. I thought for a second she was going to sneak out a Wimbledon title um, just a couple of weeks ago because she was really, she was really playing well, but. We'll see. I would not be mad if Madison Keys keeps on doing her thing. Yeah. That's the thing about Madison is you always, when when things are going well, you get so Mm. excited. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is it. And then all it takes is one bad day or one bad match. And it's just like, it all goes downhill so quickly. So if she can kind of hang in there and keep herself kind of together and keep her game together, I, I... I think she could make another big run here. Why not? Just like what y'all are saying about how big her game is. If if her shots are landing, she can beat anybody. I agree with that. I agree with that. Someone else uh, to kind of close out our WTA talk is, or well, in, in terms of shots landing and shots barely even creeping over the net, uh, is Anj Jabor. Um, she treated us to a fantastically bizarre and nerve-wracking three-set <laughs> match win over Marie Buskova. Uh, bizarre because in the middle of the match, Buskova came up with like a groin injury where she was literally not even to the point of tears. She was on tears in the court, but kept it together and really for a second there could have taken that second set. I think it was, I think she was up for love in the second set tiebreaker. 
Bushka yeah, was? She, yeah, she had a big lead in the second set tiebreak. Yeah, and uh, Jabor kind of... I don't know if Jabor narrowed down and kind of got her stuff together or if Bushkova leveled, dipped a little bit. I feel like it's a combination of both. But either way, I and, I and a lot of the people I follow on Twitter were completely over on Jabor up until <laughs> she got through match point. And even the match point was a little bit like, okay, Ons, just close this out. How do you... Yeah. I made this joke too, and I'll, I want you guys' opinion on this. I feel like... <laughs> There's been talk about like the WTA level not being as high as it once was. I feel that there's arguments for and against that, right? But one of the players I feel like that gets the heat of that is Anj Jabor because we've seen her kind of, for lack of a better term, capitulate in the sport's biggest moments, um, especially just a couple weeks ago at Wimbledon. But I feel like, speaking of Wimbledon, Caroline Wozniacki was in that ESPN booth and saw a couple of Ons DeBoer matches and was like, hold on. <laughs> There's no way I cannot come back and, and give these girls a run for their money because I can run down these drop shots and Ons DeBoer is not necessarily spanking people off the court. So right. why not? But she she is endearing with all of the magic that comes off of her racket but also the magic can be disastrous all in one two-hour match so she just she, she puts you on a ride it can be frustrating but at the same time you know you root for her how do you guys feel for me i feel like yeah that match was bizarre on shabor to me is i actually think it's I understand when people talk about the WTA and how it maybe isn't as strong. I think people also are really talking about the consistency, mm-hmm. how, you know, it's it's like the players are not being as consistent, except maybe this year with Iga, Rabakina, and Sabalenka. But a lot of players will have a great week and then will really fall back or have a great slam result and then not be able to back it up. I, I think of more of players like Sakari when people talk like that. Then on Shabor, I feel like on Shabor, it's like sometimes when you watch her and it all comes together, it looks great. But I feel like she's really maximizing with her talent because she doesn't have Mm. huge power that's going to blow anyone off the court. But she has these, you know, the slice and the feel and she does have, you know, a pretty good serve and pretty good, Mm. pretty good um like with depth in her shots, but I I don't look at her as a good example of that. I feel like Mm -hmm. she's maximizing and that's not who I think of when I think of the WTA not being in its best spot. I don't know. What do you think, Scott? I, well, in terms of Anj Jabour, this might not be popular, but I kind of see her as a second rate Ash Barty. Speaking Mm. of Ash Barty. They got along pretty well, didn't they? Weren't they pretty cool friends on tour? Yeah, awesome. I think so. Yeah, and, and Jabur seems to get along really well with, with everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just like Ash Barty, I feel like, had a bigger forehand. Ash Barty had a better slice on the backhand side. And um, and so I, I like that take that Jabur is really, like, maximizing her potential, but it's, it's not as high as some of these other top players. I mean, overall, I... I see what people are saying in terms of the WTA quality isn't as high right now. Part of me feels like when you have a player that is consistently dominant, it, it 
motivates the rest of the field to Agreed. raise their level. And so I think that's the piece where I, I can see that the, the WTA quality is as high because we don't have, I mean, Sviantec, I think it is close, but it hasn't reached the level of like, let's say Serena, obviously for the past many decades, where it's just so high that everyone else is really pushing to max their potential to try to keep up. So that's my take. I'm hoping that we get like the Alcaraz on the WTA side who mm. comes out really strong, consistent, winning the Grand Slams and kind of raising other people up. Like I kind of see Sinner trying to raise up to mm. his level. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my take on it. Well, Mira Andreva just heard that and she's like, OK, well, 2024 is going to be my season. <laughs> well, let's see it. I'm ready because I didn't right? see it this tournament. So <laughs> I'm fine with Coco beating. One. I'm fine with Coco beating Mira Andreva a few more times before that happens. That's for sure. I agree. Um, but Scott, it's interesting. I almost wish that we could blend on star power with uh, Ashley Barty's game. Because mm. you're right, it's kind of like she doesn't have quite the game Ash Barty has, but she has so much star power and so she's so likable that I feel mm. like she brings so many more people into the game. So um, I would love to see Ons win a major. I'm just not sure it's in the cards. We'll see. I don't know. Miles, what do you think about her potential? <laughs> it's it's funny because I've kind of opened up this gate talking about Anja Jabor, but leave it to me. When I made my fantasy draw, she was my champion. <laughs> really? Yes, yes. Wow. It was it was more heart overhead because I think I believe in what the mission of Anja Jabor is trying to do and trying yeah. to inspire a different part of the world to kind of view tennis as an opportunity and just even fun, really. And I mm -hmm. think that her winning Wimbledon obviously would have done that because that's like the most prestigious tournament in the sport. But also winning the U.S. Open is like 1A, 1B, you know? So mm -hmm. if she really wants to accomplish that mission, I can see that becoming instantaneously like a thing if she wins the U.S. Open. So that's kind of what I was thinking of as I kept picking her name to go through the draw. Yeah. But today's match made me reconsider all of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, she's pulling the matches out, though, because I feel she like is, yeah. I thought yeah. she was going to lose. I think every time I've watched her, I thought she was going to lose, and she's won them all. So, hey, she's still in there. Yeah, she is. She has a fighting shot. Um, as does two names we haven't mentioned before we look forward to tomorrow, Peyton Stearns is also in the fourth round, as well as Jing Kinwin. Jing Kinwin might be a little bit more known than Peyton Stearns, but both of them have worked their way through some pretty favorable draws and are in the second week of a major. I think this is Jing's second time in the fourth round because she lost to Igus Wiatek at the French Open last year. And Peyton Stearns, who is, I'm not sure if he's a graduate of uh, UT at Austin, but she did play tennis for them. So she gets uh, two points in my book for that. I like collegiate <laughs> athletes coming onto the Pro Tour. Same. <laughs> Did you guys see any of their matches? I still don't really know how Peyton Stearns plays. I know that she has a great swagger around the court, though. If Jennifer Brady and Coco <laughs> Vandeweghe had a baby, maybe that's the swagger they'd have. It's really jockey. And I, it I don't is. mind it. I don't mind it she's, at all. She's very much like a jock. And I, I think that. because she's used to college tennis, she's like mm -hmm. nothing phases her. She's super tough. And you're right. She does have that huge forehand, kind of like a Jen Brady but I haven't seen a ton of her. I know she won the NCAAs as well. So that's a big result for her. Um, 
yeah, that's does, that's really all I know about Peyton Stearns, though. Who does who does she play next? I know uh, Jin Ken Wen plays Anz Jabor, and Peyton Stearns takes on Von Drusova, who just uh, uh, won over Alexandrova. So that's that's that fourth round matchup. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, which interesting is a, a great great draw for both of them. You know, playing yeah. each other to get to the quarters. I know Von Drusova just won Wimbledon, but I still don't give her credit <laughs> clearly. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm looking at that that top part of uh, that draw, and it's it's looking good uh, for either one of them. Well, let's go to the top of the women's draw and look forward to the matches there tomorrow. Uh, the women's matches on Arthur Ashe tomorrow are Comeback Queen or on the Comeback Trail, Caroline Wozniacki versus uh, Arthur Ashe Darling so far this tournament because she's only played her matches on Arthur Ashe, Coco Golf. Um. I'm interested. I will have my eyes on that matchup because they've never played each other. And a lot of people are looking at either one of them to possibly win the tournament, which is crazy if Wozniacki does it. Um, maybe not so crazy if Coco Golf does it, but I'm interested in that match for sure. Of course. Cannot wait. Yeah. Scott, you have Coco winning, right? Didn't you pick in your draft? Didn't you pick her? Yes, and definitely not Wozniacki winning, um, <laughs> which hopefully is uh, turns out just fine. But I do, I mean, I feel like Coco Goff is consistent and patient enough to beat Wozniacki. And um, Coco Goff, you might have heard um, Brad Gilbert telling her repeatedly, like, make it physical. And mm-hmm. someone asked her about that, about one of her matches, uh, you know, oh, you know, Brad Gilbert was telling you to keep it physical. You know, do you think that was an important strategy? And Coco Golf was like, he tells me that every single match. <laughs> and so, but I think that's a big push for him. It's like, you are an amazing athlete, Coco mm-hmm. Golf. Like you can stay out there. You can wear these other players down. And with that mentality, I'm confident that she makes it past Wozniacki and makes her, you know, hit one more shot. And obviously she, Coco Golf has enough power to, to get it past her too. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm feeling confident about Golf winning that. Are you feeling as confident that the arguably the most dramatic WTA player, AKA Yelena Ostapenko <laughs> is going to continue her winning streak over world number one, Iga Swiatek? Cause that's the night match uh, on Ash. I'll take this one because Ostapenko is my one of my favorite players on tour. <laughs> Anyone who can win a match where they hit 80 unforced errors is someone I am interested in seeing more of. <laughs> I'm hoping that Ostapenko has like less pressure on her and can feel like she can go out there and just really hit the ball and, and go for her shots kind of like she always does but (laughs) i'm hoping that she is able to kind of just relax and play better tennis because if she plays like she has her last few matches i think it'll be another quick win for Iga. but Mm -hmm. if she can get it together and start crushing that forehand then i think she could give Iga a run for her money so i will definitely be tuning in to watch that I will too, but because it's the last match on Ash, even after the men's night match, which is uh, mm. uh, Borna Gojo versus Novak Djokovic, which isn't making too many headlines, um, <laughs> I have a feeling that Ostapenko doesn't love night matches, so she really may come onto the court with an attitude like, "Why am I here?" You're so <laughs> right. She will guarantee, no matter what time of day, you can expect that attitude. No, and but Fuyate, you're right. Fuyate's had some experience earlier in the season playing late at night, so. 
Yeah, you're right. That's a tough. I never like when they put the women's matches after the men's. Not it seems, end. yeah, it's just like it's too late. So you, that's a really good call. I can see Ospenko coming out flat <laughs> after <laughs> sitting there watching Djokovic for those hours and just mm-hmm. stewing in the in the locker room. That's a great call, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, Mukova and Wang Ziyu. Well, they won't have that issue at all because they open up Armstrong. And I think that's a really advantageous match for either of them. Obviously, for Mujova uh, to get back to this, uh, back through, back to another Grand Slam quarterfinal, and then Wang Zingyu to kind of get that uh, quarterfinal under her belt at a Grand Slam. I think both of them are interesting players. Mujova maybe a little bit more so than Wang, but uh, you know, never that I can't even call that match honestly mukova is the i always say mukova and then I, my mind tells me to say muhova <laughs> right work, i have to work on that I have to work on so it. many names <laughs> so many names a name that i don't uh stumble over probably because she has me blocked on twitter and also because it's pretty <sighs> easy to say belinda bentich <laughs> belinda bentich is still in the tournament oh gosh if you guys don't know that belinda bentich has blocked me on twitter that is a whole different episode i'll tell okay. i'll tell you guys afterwards um, please do <laughs> please do because i am so that makes me like you even more i'm proud of you <laughs> you'd be surprised who has me blocked on twitter you'd be surprised i'm not even that bad oh my gosh i'm making myself sound bad in this moment <laughs> but belinda bitches takes on serana kirstea also on armstrong after that muhova and wang Zingyu match and where are the other women's matches for the day are there oh is court 17 oh there's just some doubles shout out to yeah, robin montgomery Yes. Well, I think Mon- Montgomery and Clervy are playing Zvonareva and Sigmund on court 17. Uh, well, we know who we'll be cheering for there. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and Taylor Townsend and Ben Shelton are playing mixed tomorrow as well. That's a good That's a good match. How fun are they? They are a vibe. Yes, so fun. That needs to be on ESPN. Like, I would watch that entire match start sure. to finish. Don't tell that to Spectrum fans too, too loudly. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. I know, right? Can you imagine just, like, clicking on your ESPN and being like, oh, it's not there. Like ugh. Mid-US Open, no less. Mid-US Open, right? Gosh. Right. Um, we haven't talked about the men that are in action tomorrow. Tommy Paul takes on Ben Shelton. And that's their second Grand Slam meeting of the year. They played in the quarters of Australia, and that went Tommy Paul's way. So I guess Ben Shelton would want some revenge for that. Yeah, Tommy Paul is someone who I've, I think a lot of people pick to go far in this tournament. And he's also, ha- I think, dealt with the pressure pretty well. He's had some up and ups and downs, but he's gotten through it. I feel like he's just so athletic and is going to make Ben Shelton hit too many balls. You know, he's going to keep getting one, one ball back, almost like Wozniacki's been doing. And I'm not sure Ben Shelton is ready to win that, but we'll see. All I know it. is there's some good eye eye candy on that court, so I will definitely be watching. <laughs> and I like you guys like the white and pink on kit that Ben Shelton's rocking. I like it. I love I'm that kit. Happy with it. Yes, Scott He's loves it. Scott loves Ben Shelton, and I um, am a big fan of Tommy Paul. So we're gonna be having we're gonna be on opposite. What is it called? A, a house divided. A house divided. Tomorrow. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we already mentioned Djokovic. No need to go back over that one. Um, sorry, Djokovic fans. <laughs> It's always there for it. Uh, <laughs> after the two women's matches on Armstrong, we have a 
interesting matchup. I don't think even Francis Tiafo would have prepared himself for facing Rinky Hijikata in the fourth round of the U.S. Open. But nonetheless, that's, no. that's what he has. I, I mean, much respect to Hijikata. He's having a tournament of his career. But if Francis Tiafo does not win that match, I may cease to exist. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, we know Tiafo is going to be trying to find the celebrities after af- in the stands after the match. So he's going to want to win so he can go find his celebrity friends afterwards. And I don't he's blame so him. He's so good at that. He's so good. He I is. Love I he love it say too. Something, I, I said this in the previous episode that I love that he's aware that none of that like celebrity interaction happens unless he's winning tennis matches, really. Yep. So, especially because he doesn't have a slam yet or, or hasn't been world number one. So he has to keep kind of doing the thing for celebrities to even know who he is what he does and come to his matches and stuff so yeah. i love that he's i love that he's aware of that for sure and he's so entertaining there's a reason why they can come out to watch him absolutely he he draws you in very but i, I wonder why they they keep maybe because armstrong is more of a a tighter stadium because he op his first two matches were on ash and now his ne- his last two have been or this one is going to be on armstrong so i wonder why they chose armstrong for that but I guess they have their reasons. Um, and Taylor Fritz closes out Armstrong against uh, somebody, if you looked quickly, may remind you of Stan Wawrinka because they have the same flag, the same Swiss flag. <laughs> and they kind of, they look they, they look like they could be like distant cousins, Dominic yeah. and, and Stan Wawrinka. He's a little thick too. <laughs> yep. I don't mind it. And, and he knows the words to Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody, which... Okay. I mean... That's a low bar, in my opinion. What more can you ask? I mean, listen. It is. It is. If he knew the words to, um, wait, why am I blanking on this song? Oh, my God. Million Dollar Bill. That one. That one. Um, Oh, my God. She literally starts the the song off with a question. My my mom is pissed at me right now for not knowing the name (laughs) of the song. If two of your friends went out to eat, then four. Oh, of them um, yes. yes. Uh, it's not. It's not right, but it's okay. But it's okay. Yes. Yes. If he knew the words to that, wow. his, his, his stock would be through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Fritz. I'm not even sure if he could like sing you the harmony of that song. To be honest, but uh, don't think wouldn't so. Wouldn't want to find out. <laughs> wouldn't want to find out. Are you guys not Taylor Fritz? You guys not on the Taylor Fritz train? I actually like Fritz. I just mm-hmm. don't really want to hear him try to sing. Um, <laughs> but but I do recognize that he right now is not bringing the excitement, the entertainment that Paul, Shelton, Tiafo are. Mm-hmm. Um, but how cool would it be if it's Fritz versus Djokovic in the quarters? I'd be be here for that. I'd be here for it, but it wouldn't be a long match, I don't think. <laughs> no. <laughs> I haven't seen Taylor Fritz much at all this tournament. He's kind of like Sabalenka. Yeah. Yeah. And like they're just sliding through, and I'm barely even hearing anything about them. So mm-hmm. I think Taylor likes it that way because uh, when he has eyes on him, I don't think that is where he plays the best. And his draw right. has been super kind to him. He's played like qualifier or unseated player the whole way through. So, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good for him. Well, that was day six, and a look ahead to day seven is oh Labor Day's on Monday. I was going to say Happy Labor Day, but yeah, Happy Pre Labor Day. <laughs> you guys have any plans for Labor Day in Atlanta? I will be watching the U.S. Open. That is <laughs> my big plan. That is where where I'll be happiest. Honestly, it's just such a perfect place to be. Labor Day in the U.S. Watching the U.S. Open. 
Um, so that's my big plan. Tony, do you have any, any fun I'm plans? going to the lake on Monday, so that'll lake be fun. Lanier? Not Lake Lanier. No, we don't oh, need to say God. any prayers yes. for me. Yes, no, yes, I'm yes. going, uh, no, like I, I'm keep clear from Lake Lanier as much as possible. Um, <laughs> just for my own safety, but no, um, I am going to, I am going to, uh, a lake, uh, with a couple of friends and family members on Monday. So that'll be a good time. Are you yeah. doing anything fun, Miles? Nope. I'm with Scott watching the U.S. Open. And it just hit me for whatever reason in this part of the conversation. We haven't had a hint of bad weather, really. Like the the roof has not been able to be used or needed to be used, I should say. So hopefully that continues into the second week because the rest of the Grand Slams like Roland Garros was interesting. Wimbledon was awful when it came to when it came to rain yes. and stuff. So yeah. maybe the, the weather gods are being kind to us finally in the last Grand Slam of the year. So. Yeah, looking forward to a, uh, a good Sunday at the U.S. Open and a start to week two, because I think it gets interesting for sure from here. Yep. Well, all right, guys, this has been fun. Uh, before you before we sign out, let the listeners know where they can find you on socials, because I'm following you and they should, too. Yes. Well, thanks so much, Miles, for having us. This was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you can follow the podcast on Twitter or X and Instagram <laughs> at the gay tennis pod. And then we have a website as well called uh, the gay tennis podcast.com. So those are the best ways to find us on social. Yeah, please check us out and uh, really loved chatting with you today. And thanks for, for letting us on and hopefully we'll be on again soon. And we'd love to have you on, yes, on ours as well. For sure. Of course, we can make this a reciprocal thing, you know? Yes. Absolutely. Because it's fun and I love what you guys represent because we need more queer voices in tennis. And I think the U.S. Open acknowledging that uh, on Pride Day and having the colorful uh colorful bright lights around ash is definitely a step in the right direction more than a step actually so yeah they did a great pride day this year yeah. and it sent john isner into retirement so what else can we ask for <laughs> <laughs> wonderful day we, we lost we lost john not lost but we got rid of john isner <laughs> uh jack sock and coco vandaway i mean hey <laughs> it's been a good u.s open so far <laughs> <laughs> go liberals <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> alright guys talk to you on the next episode of Tuned Into Tennis bye bye thanks y'all bye Sports Social Podcast Network it's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.